stop me on my way on the day I was to wed. It is you who I wish to share my body with, she said. We'll find a dry place under the sky with a flower for a bed. And for my joy, I will give you a boy with a moon and star. Her silver hair flowed in the air, laying waves across the summer. Her hands were like the white sands, and her eyes had diamonds on. And good morning, everyone. How is everybody today doing today? And welcome to All Things SR Podcast. And how are you today, Leslie? I'm doing well. I cannot believe we are at June 27th of the year 2020. I'm, (laughs) I'm kind of having a hard time believing we are halfway almost halfway through the year. It's been obviously um, a remarkable um, and unprecedented time. And it's just kind of hit me (laughs) that we are are really almost halfway through this year, which I think some people will be very happy about. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Yes, yes. Um, And I find, you know, I was talking to people this week and everyone seems a little, uh, shall we say, crispy in terms of a little bit of fatigue about the situation, about the stressful uh, stress of life. Um, I think a lot of people haven't or had not taken any vacation or any time off. Um, those people who uh, were working, and then you have the, on the other hand, you have some people who've lost their jobs um, mm-hmm. and have kind of just been filling their time with completely other things. Um, so it just seems like it's been, um, this was a week where I think a lot of people are like, uh, we need to catch our breath. We need to, you know, relax. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, <laughs> yes. Um, Monica said this year is three months, January, February and December. <laughs> and. Hey, yes, Betty says, I think I need an I Survived 2020 t-shirt. I think you deserve one, Betty. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I think we I, I think, do. I think you maybe should send should... that request over to Passion Flicks. <laughs> yes, I, I think maybe that should be part of the Passion Flicks uh, merchandise uh, <laughs> in, the, in the store that they offer. Oh, my um, Lord. <laughs> I love it. Jean Ann uh, agreed with that. Um, and yes monica monica says for the year we have to have christmas that's pretty much how about how happy are we how fortunate are we that we've had this uh wonderful gift of the gabriel's inferno movie to help keep our spirits up and distract us and isn't that the uh, truth keep us engaged i mean i think we are so fortunate 
we are trust me and zoom <laughs> zoom has been a big help to a lot of people you know yes. just getting on calls at whenever and just talking some people it goes mm -hmm. for hours and hours <laughs> yes it yes and hours and hours and um yeah uh, Lori's noted that it really has helped so much and monica said we really are lucky um, mm -hmm. And Betty, I was going to mention that because we're getting to the announcements, but I'll, I'll put this one out there first. Okay. Betty can't wait to get, speaking of merchandise from Passion Flicks, you know where we're going with this, right? Coming soon. Betty cannot wait Coming to get soon. her new Paul t-shirt. <laughs> and I actually, Betty, for you, even though I know you already ordered this, I am pasting the link for the Team Paul for the Team Paul T-shirt, <laughs> in the and then, of course, we have uh, someone making T-shirts. Sc, and yes. uh, let us know if you want one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, the link I just put in the chat box, so um, you can be. Uh, how does it go? Um, daydreaming about yeah, daydreaming about the T-shirt. I also Paul see Norris. we we have a new listener today, uh, Yari Labrador Rivera. Uh, welcome, good to have you Hello, with us. Yari. So, yes, yeah, so we do have uh, a lot, some announcements, lots maybe. Yeah, actually, lots of announcements. SR SR has been a busy. He's busy the ultimate professor. Yes, he's been a Canadian <laughs> fox. Uh, yes. Um, he, Betty wants he, to know if the t-shirt includes Paul. <laughs> um, you could talk ask. To, you could ask James Andrew that. Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> talk to the boss. Talk to the yeah, boss. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so anyway, as our announcements, uh, there's going to be a trailer for part two which is coming out on Canada Day, which is July 1st. Uh, and then, of course, the feature of Part 2 on July 31st. Uh, he also mentions that the Polish subtitles for uh, Part 1 should be coming up soon. And uh, there will, they will continue with the Polish subtitles for the rest of the film. He also wants to uh, encourage readers from Germany, the Netherlands, and Poland to get involved with the online groups of readers uh, centered around those languages. Uh, they're working hard to build a community and they're also working to uh, get the books published in their, in their languages. So the more the mer merrier for them, the more people know, the more publishers are going to want to pick it up. Uh, he is also saying if there, if there are any Greek-speaking readers who would like to start a uh, fan-based group uh, to please get in touch with him, uh, you can email him at info at silverrenard.com uh, or tweet yes. to him and and we've, um, so we can get them. We've actually, um, obviously we know a couple of people, Effie, um, mm -hmm. who was on Effie Kamenu, who is an author who we interviewed 
um, last month, mm-hmm. um, is a Greek American author and, and um, we're going to actually reach out and chat with her to see if she um, would be has interested. any ideas of people who might be interested. And also uh, the woman who founded the SR fans, Germany um, speaks Greek, speaks Greek. And um, so she may have other uh, sources as well. I speak a very little bit of Greek. I don't speak enough to be able to uh, undertake that adventure. But you mean you I didn't go to Greek. Greek school? <laughs> I didn't go to Greek school. No, no. I, I wish I would have gone to Greek school. But that's a story for that's a story for the another day. Another day. Um, yes, yes. Um, but I did go to Greek classes when I studied abroad in Athens. Wow. Um, but go. not enough. Not enough. I'm not fluent. Um, but I, I can I could be a good travel mate if you ever go to the Greek. Uh, to Greece or the Greek islands. So just give me a call. Someday. Someday. <laughs> that would um, be a great road trip, Pam. Yeah, that would be a good road trip. <laughs> <laughs> also, Russia, Portugal, Italy, and Spain will be re- re-releasing the Gabriel series. And in each case, SR's team is working to make sure Gabriel's promise uh, is part of it. And he should have more news on that soon. Very, uh, he, very exciting. Yes. He's also read the script for Gabriel's Redemption. And it's great. So congratulations, Mary. Yes. Um, yes. He's also seen part three of Gabriel's Inferno. It's beautiful and sexy. And readers will love it, according to him. I am so I'm that gets a heart. I'm so excited that I know the raves. I'm telling you, when we saw that comment back from him, we made a comment last week when we were emailing about the podcast. Um, how beautifully done mm-hmm. the part three is. I, I just can't wait. Oh my gosh, it's going to be I great. Barely, I could barely handle part one. I don't know how it'll be by part three. And then really, when we get dig into the next book and the book after, oh, Lord. Now, if you, if you hear buzzing, I apologize. Somebody down, down the street is trimming trees. So I apologize. My windows are open. So <laughs> ahead of time. So... Uh, the other thing SR wanted to do is wish both Canadian and American readers a happy Canada Day and a happy Fourth of July. So that that's right is from our dear author, the great professor. The great professor. The great professor. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're so happy. Um, we're just so happy that we've been able to uh get all this news uh it's it's incredible that they're re-releasing um the gabriel series in uh, in four countries um and it's Mm -hmm. exciting that there's a movement to get books the books published in even more languages than they already are um it's i think it it's a testimony to the strength of the story Mm -hmm. and i think it's really it's just a fantastic nod to SR's work. Um, you know, and the other and our, great, and our international community. The other great thing is so many people have found 
Gabriel's Inferno because of Passion Flex and creating the movie. That he's got a whole brand new group of readers and fans. And that's starting to go into his other uh, writing too, uh, the Florentine series and the man in the black suit. So that's very, very exciting for him. I'm happy. And hopefully the Florentine series will get a re-release as well at some point. I, I know I that it will. I think it will too, but I, I know that there are some uh, books that have to be reprinted because they're run, they've either run out or they've got a very low quantity on Amazon. So I, I was looking into that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, hopefully the more demand, there'll be more prints, um, more opportunities to get, um, newly printed next, you know, next editions, Mm -hmm. um, of the books. It's pretty cool. Um, and I know as, as Pam referenced earlier, we do have a lot to cover today. We are, we are on to part two of our discussion, um, of St. Thomas. And for those, of you who missed last week or haven't uh, had a chance to listen to the podcast last week. I just wanted to do a very, very brief recap. And truly we have our, our wonderful Paul, mm-hmm. um, our actor friend who we interviewed a couple weeks ago um, for these past two podcast this week and last week's podcast, um, James Andrew Fraser uh, when we were asking him about uh, how he prepared for the role, said that when he got casted, he started reading Dante's Inferno and Time, Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was, he was saying he wanted to get to understand and have some background on um, these readings and these works uh, to, to inform his, his portrayal. And so that spawned the idea, hmm, why don't we Maybe. look into a why little bit about him? Thomas, Thomas mm-hmm. Aquinas? And that's that's what we've done. And I have to credit my podcasting partner extraordinaire, Pam, uh, for doing the research and uh, the writing on uh, these past two weeks, uh, especially since I've been a little uh, consumed with projects for work. Um, and we had a great time discussing with all of you um, his background last week, born in 1225, um, how he grew up and how he really from a young age uh, was was noted for his his wisdom um, at such a young age and his his being a witty child and a good soul. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So it really, really was great to have an idea of his background and also have an idea of uh, how things were woven into uh, Gabriel's Inferno, because we did discuss um, where it was referenced in um, Inferno um, last week, mm-hmm. uh, such as being used in Gabriel's lecture, Lust in Dante's Inferno, The Deadly Sin Against the Self. Um, a reference to Summa Theologica, um, when he questions nature and the existence, simplicity, perfection, and infinity of God. And those, um, actually, those references are in 
chapter 19 of Gabriel's Inferno, and we will have a chance to see them come to life on the screen. Part two. July 31, during part two of the movie. Very exciting. It's incredibly exciting. And so that's kind of where uh, we left off uh, our discussion. And obviously, you know, as as SR said, when we, we wrote to him about this idea for the podcast, and he was very supportive of having us uh, delve into this a little bit, um, he, he included um, Thomas Aquinas, uh, because if you're going to study Dante and become yeah. a Dante specialist as Julia and as Paul, um, and of course, as, as Gabriel himself, you need to read Aquinas, you need to read St. Thomas. So it made sense that Paul and Julianne would have studied him in college. And, mm-hmm. and that's, of course, why James, you know, decided to look into this when he was preparing to be um, Paul on screen. Right. Um, it's referenced Paul uh, studied at St. Michael's in Vermont, uh, which mm-hmm. is uh, from the Society of St. Edmund, um, as well as Boston Col- College, which is a Jesuit institution. And Julianne studied um, in Pan's backyard of St. Joseph's mm-hmm. University, which is also um, a university uh, that has been run by the Jesuits for hundreds of years. Yeah, hundreds, yeah. And also a, a, at 18 was a wonderful party school to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Just as an out of, out of the blue reference. It sounds like another chapter for your book, Pam. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a fun time. Anyway, <laughs> so what I did last week, I I uh, emailed last Saturday. I, I emailed SR and I told him that we wanted to delve a little bit more into St. Thomas and his influences on Dante. And so he gave me three places to look. Uh, he gave me uh, the University of Texas. They have a, a whole... Dante's world and specifically he he told me to look um at cantos 10 11 and 13 uh which I did but I also just for continuity's sake looked at canto 12 as well um he also mentioned a website vision.org where uh there was Dante Alighieri and the Divine Comedy and Professor Mazzotta's uh, book, Dante's Vision and the Circle of Knowledge. And there was all kinds of stuff from there that he, he picked up for, for me. Yes, yes. And in fact, I know um, Professor Mazzotta has online um, yes. lectures, if I recall. I yeah, think, for, uh, with yeah. a lot of people have in the fandom have uh, looked at them and... Um, it's, it's a great way to explore and learn um, mm-hmm. about Dante and get a, get a glimpse of, uh, you know, what Gabriel and Julia were studying and sure. uh, perspective that SR uh, brought. I am copying the links into the chat room so, so you, can you can have those and explore. And have fun with um, it. If, do it. Do as you will. Yes. Um, yes. Hey, Floor. I see uh, Floor just joined us. Hola. So, um, at the University of Texas, on the cantos that I mentioned, 
they kind of reflect on St. Thomas, St. Francis, uh, St. Bonaventure, uh, and St. Dominic. And around that time, when a saint would have a feast day, the there somebody would eulogize them. And during that time, St. Thomas, who was a Dominican, eulogized St. Francis. And uh, St. Bonaventure eulogized St. Dominic. So basically what he was saying in, in a nutshell, that St. Francis was born into a wealthy family. And in his 20s, he had fought in a military campaign against Perugia, which seems odd since Perugia and Florence and Assisi and all are all pretty much in the same area. Um, but he, he had spent time as a prisoner of war, and it seems that he seemed to, um, you know, go deep into thought about what he was doing. And at that point, he decided he did not want to become a knight or a soldier in, in the armies or a merchant, which is what his father was. Uh, instead, he believed he was called to rebuild and restore the churches around him. And so he went off, went to went home, stripped naked, told his father he didn't want any of his money, and decided to become this uh, poor uh, missionary of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, he did never he never reconciled with his father because his father was just totally against everything that he was doing. So what was described uh, by uh, the Dante world, he married poverty, which hadn't been involved in the Catholic Church since the time of the apostles. And, and yeah. I always found that as an interesting, I, I always think it's interesting with the Franciscans, that whole, um, that's such a foundational thing for that uh, group who mm -hmm. study and follow in the foots of St. Francis, mm -hmm. the vow of poverty, poverty the wearing of the, the brown robes, yep. um, just sandals. being very, the sandals, just having mm -hmm. given up everything and marrying poverty. I just think it's, 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 it's really in service to, to God. Yeah. And I, I just always, I've always found that interesting. Um, one of our, our, the priest who married, uh, my husband and I were, was a Franciscan and, uh, just had a really, really beautiful approach to service. Yeah, they do. The Franciscans do. Um, so he had other men come and join him. And so he mm -hmm. was able to, go to Rome and say, I'd like to start this order, which he did. And there were women that were starting to getting involved as well. So they created an order of nuns and they were known mm -hmm. as the poor Clares, um, after St. Clare of Assisi. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he'd also, Francis also had traveled to the Holy Lands, uh, where he predicted a failure of the fifth crusade because there were a lot of crusades going on during the Renaissance. Um, you know, the one thing, he was not able to convert the sultan that he had been visiting. And uh, he, but the, the sultan, you know, appreciated what he was doing. And they, they apparently had become friendly. 
and he was received with much respect uh, by the Sultan. Uh, he went back to Italy, and while praying at Mount Laverna in southern Tuscany, uh, he received the stigmata. The stigmata is the wounds of Christ from the crucifixion, uh, from the crowns to the nails in the palms, the gash in the side, and in the, the nail from the feet. Um, the only other, I know that it has happened in other, uh, with other saints. The most prominent that I know is the current saint, Padre Pio, who uh, I think he was canonized about 15 years ago. My sister mm. is a devotee of him, so and he was also a Capuchin Franciscan. Ah, uh, yes. So. Well, um, and I'm loving in the chat room. Um, Betty noted that she could never picture Gabriel wearing simple clothing. No. Um, <laughs> and Not at Monica all. said he was by the orchard, rather simple, casual. <laughs> well, yes, he was, Monica. Um, I, I, I just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing simple about Gabriel, right? No, not uh, at all. Not at all. But I think I, I, you know, I think it was interesting, and I think, you know, obviously this will be possibly another discussion for another podcast in the future. But there have been many references to Saint Francis and the Franciscans throughout um, some of SR's writing as well. So. Um, stay tuned on that because that may mm -hmm. be uh, something we delve into. And uh, Lori had asked Pam, mm -hmm. um, and Monica is making me laugh. She said it was simple, casual, but I can picture him naked. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Monica, you're cracking me up. And Lori said, How do you spell the Padre's last name, Pam? P -I -O. And I think it's P I O, right? Yeah. Padre Pio. I'll put that in the chat room. Um, and Dahlia uh, said uh, she can also picture him in a towel. And soon you won't even Purple need to be one. able to, to picture him um, with your mind because you will probably be seeing that on the screen um, in a couple weeks, ladies Hopefully. and gentlemen. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I know. I know. Um, so we're leaving uh, discussing uh, St. Francis. And I also found it interesting that Francis was able to, um, you know, have such, uh, such a manner and such a, such a, 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 an authenticity about him, uh, that he was, uh, able to interact and discuss, um, things with the Sultan. I just, I found that story. Well, he did. Um, he, and receiving his respect. I, I just thought that was a, a lot of telling. his, a lot of his sermons were, uh, dictated to animals basically and you know i mean that's he was known for that and hence on october 4th um churches everywhere around the world will go and bless the animals i know that yes. i've taken my pets <laughs> when the priests are out blessing them i've taken them and take them up there to be blessed so it's always interesting. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, Floor actually mentioned um, something that I didn't realize as well. Uh, she mentioned that Francis um, was actually uh, the person 
who invented the tradition of the Christmas crash. Wow. Um, which I didn't realize. I didn't either. realize that either. So I always learn something from everyone who's listening in the podcast. And I think that is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And Dahlia said, it's interesting knowing so many things coming from a different religion myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, Dahlia also had, uh, admitted that she's not sure how she's going to react, um, with the, when the purple towel scene shows up. And, uh, <laughs> I, I said, she is not alone. And Betty says, when Gabriel goes all natural, he insists on special lighting, either candlelight or moonlight. Nothing is simple with him. Nothing. Spoken like a true, true de- devotee of Team Paul, Betty. Yes. And <laughs> my, my late aunt always told me that a woman looks better by candlelight than incandescent light. So, <laughs> Words to live by. Absolutely. Words to live by. So I'm sure that Gabriel fell into that category. Big time. <laughs> yes. Well, this is why I think he, he loves lighting so many candles around, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and speaking of light, uh, we're actually uh, traveling over now to, uh, as part of the readings that SR uh, pointed us to, uh, discussion a bit of St. Bonaventure, who is also a Franciscan, mm-hmm. um, who then told the story of St. Dominic, uh, the splendor of cherubic light on account of his wisdom. And I love that phrase, mm-hmm. uh, splendor of cherubic light. Um, when Dominic's mother was pregnant with him, she had a vision telling what his life would be like in the world. And she envisioned that he was a dog carrying a torch in his mouth as he leapt from her womb. So how many times and how many references have we seen light in, in the Gabriel series? I mean, I, I just, this really resonated with me when I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, In this vision, uh, the dog was barking, symbolizing he would light the world on fire with his preaching. At baptism, his godmother noticed a star on his head. And uh, I think Pam's uh, musical selection uh, was very uh, telling. It was was a foreboding um, about the fact that we would be referencing uh, this saint with a star. And And that was the... Uh, yeah. Boy with the Moon and Star in His Head by the artist formerly known as Cat Stevens and uh, now known as Yusuf Islam, who also mm-hmm. went through an interesting relig- religious journey in his lifetime. Well, but that's. And I'm. <laughs> and I. Uh, well, and I think when he was writing that song, right, that was part of part of what he was um, on that journey at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Um, he did. And Betty says, in the summertime, the last thing I want near me is a candle. So I'm happy with the battery-powered candles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of them around our house. Yeah, they don't throw off as much heat. Um, So this symbolism of the light and the fact that this Saint Dominic would be sharing and preaching, um, and, and, and taking light out into the world, uh, led Dominic, uh, to form his order of priest nuns and the lay order. Um, and, and as we go on, there were several noted women in his order, such as St. Catherine of Siena, 
His vows were complete orders of poverty. He possibly counseled a young man from a wealthy merchant family to forsake his clothing and his wealth to join the order, which is just what Francis did, right? Mm, Um, I love the traditions here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Legend has it that when Dominic died, he was lifted to heaven on a golden ladder. Um, And due to his commitment to fighting heresies, the Dominicans took a lead in the Inquisition, uh, which also is a very um, complicated uh, piece of history. our history. Yes. Um, that also could be discussed and debated, um, for many, 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 um, many podcasts. Um, Mm -hmm. the stories of these saints are part of the circles of heaven in the Paradiso that's written by Dante. So again, all of these elements were woven in, um, to Dante's work and of course then woven into SR's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, in sharing the story of Gabriel and Julia. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very fascinating. Um, Dante was schooled in not just the Dominican philosophies of Aquinas at Santa Maria Novella, but also Franciscan philosophies at Santa Croce. So he has a, a very, very deep um, reference throughout Spiritual references. Um, and, and I've noted, uh, Lori had mentioned in the chat room that she lives outside of a town of town and there's a retirement home for St. Francis sisters. She's always Mm -hmm. thought it was, uh, very cool that they had this community there Mm -hmm. and they walk around their neighborhood and pray, which I just think is beautiful. Um, and Florm noted that mass at St. Francis of Assisi in Italy is one of the churches that gave it um, and offered the Mass in Latin instead mm-hmm. of Italian. And that is also a really um, moving experience. I know periodically around um, where I live, they will have uh, Latin Mass, but it's, it's just, it's few and far between. They'll have a special, you know, special time for that. But I think that in, in Italy would be remarkable. It would be. <laughs> Next time I'm there. That's right. That's right. Um, so as, as we talk about the Franciscans and as we talk about Dominic's and the Dominicans, um, and as we talk about how, uh, Dante's work has informed Gabriel's Inferno, we, we mentioned last week, uh, Thomas, uh, St. Thomas is used in Gabriel's lecture, Lustin and Dante's Inferno, The Deadly Sin Against the Self. Mm-hmm. And in the Summa Theologica, Aquinas questions nature and the existence, simplicity, perfection, and infinity of God. And in his lecture, Gabriel points out Aquinas argues that evil action or sin is a form of self-destruction. Mm-hmm. And boy, isn't that whole mindset ingrained in Gabriel? Yes. Um, especially in the first part of the book. I mean, he's a magnet for sin as he, I, tells, as, as as, he, as he tells her. And I, I just, that's such a strong sentiment that is coming to him from the work of Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can read the full chapter, the full lecture, as I noted earlier, in chapter, um, 19. chapter 19, and we'll be seeing it in July 1st. Uh, can't wait for that. Anyway. I know. I know. And Jean-Anne noted that Mass in Latin is, is beautiful. 
Betty's never heard mass in Latin. I haven't either. Betty, I would mm. like to. Um, I'm of an I'm of an age where uh, we would go to mass before Vatican II, mm-hmm. and mass was always in Latin, and the priest's back was always to you. Yes. And it was after Vatican II that they started speaking in the language of where you lived and also brought the altar forward so that the priest would face you. You know, I and I know that in some of the Eastern Rite religions, uh, Byzantines, I believe the Greeks do this, uh, mm-hmm. where they're, they're, they actually separate um, the altar from the people because that's all a mystery. So a lot of the uh, blessings of the of the Eucharist and everything are held behind a wall, basically. Yes. Uh, to add to that mystery. So. Anyway. Yes. So, one of the things I was I, I picked up on was there was a Roman senator, a magistrate, and a philosopher by the name of Bothius, uh, that. The world could only make sense if viewed in relation to God, was an, which was another influence on St. Thomas, mm-hmm. on Dante, Albertus Magnus, um, who was uh, Albert the Great, from, uh, also uh, Peter Lavillard mm-hmm. was also influenced by, by this man. Oh my so gosh. Dante is lost in the woods. And being hunt, hunted by wild beasts when he is rescued by the ghost of the Roman poet Virgil. This is the start of Dante's Inferno. Uh, Virgil tells Dante that he was sent by Beatrice to guide him on a journey that begins at the gateway to hell. So to me, that it, it encapsulates that Gabriel is lost to his addiction in the in his world of hell, and when he meets Julianne, she guides him uh, from the orchard to his purgatory, where he gets himself cleaned up. He finishes his education. He's up in Toronto now, and he's teaching. And but then when he finds her, he goes on to she goes on to lead him into paradise of a passionate, loving relationship that, unlike Dante, Gabriel is able to consummate and share with the world. So, And Pam, honestly, I think that is so... The great professor, I think, would be very proud, shall I say, and I hope he will be, have a chance to listen to this, because honestly, I think you just nailed... I think you've just nailed the whole connection Um and the whole desire of SR to share that story of Dante and Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you've just beautifully encapsulated how it translates from uh, Dante's work in the Inferno to what SR wrote on the page. And actually well, throughout throughout the Gabriel series books, it's, it's I, I'm really beautifully really, done. I'm really hoping that Dean SR will give me at the very least a B plus for this. <laughs> <laughs> so. But it's true. I mean, I, it's, it really is. I mean, the whole reference to the woods and being mm-hmm. hunted by the wild beasts, mm-hmm. being rescued 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's and just it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's just just so, the way it is. And Betty's referencing that uh, Paul becomes Julia's Virgil in many yes. ways. Yeah, absolutely. So. And Betty noted that was a beautiful explanation, Pam. Well, thank you. And it, and Essie agreed. Wonderful explanation. Thank you. And, and Betty says, "Why a B plus? You should get an A plus." Because I I I never expect. I work toward, but I never expect. And if I got anything below a B plus, I would be extremely angry <laughs> and be fighting that <laughs> grade. Anyway, so. One of the things that in going through this, I found that there are many uh, theistic religions that have evidence of divine design in the world. Uh, from the Old Testament in Psalms, which is both Judaic and Christian tradition, the heavens declare the glory of God and the ferment showeth his handiwork. In the New Testament, in Romans 1, 19-21, for what can be known about God is shown it to them ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, individual though they are, have been understood and seen uh, through the things she has made. So they are without excuse. The Quran also references this in 31 uh, colon 20 asks, do you not see Allah has made what it is in the heavens and what is in the earth subservient to you and made complete to you his favors onwardly and inwardly? Um, so while these uh, do not specifically indicate which properties or features of the world evidence of God's intelligence nature, each presupposes that the world exhibits such features and that they readily discernible to a reasonably conscious agent. So. Well, and I think it's, um, again, I think it's very telling how these themes are woven in mm-hmm. and um, discussed. Uh, and I, I, also appreciate you waving in the Quran as well because it also just shows really the universality of some of these um, some of these comment co- um, concepts and thoughts absolutely and 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 tenets um, and I have to laugh and I'd be remiss um, we're going from such you know deep deep conversation but uh, Monica <laughs> wrote Dina Sar says. I'll see you in my office. Miss Langworthy. <laughs> what time do you want me there? I, I can hear. I can hear. I can. I can hear it now. I can. Hear I can Julia hear the chuckle. Saying that right now, uh-huh. but it's true. It's true. The universality, I just think, is is really great. Yeah. Um, and and another thing that you um, you were able to dig up and dig into Pam um, was kind of something that was referenced um, in book three of the Gabriel series, Gabriel's Redemption. And it's regarding St. Thomas and uh, the five ways. And um, I actually looked a little bit of this up as well. Um, And 
And this is the whole concept of this proving, proving the existence of God. And last week we talked about as a five-year-old, um, and one of the reasons why uh, Thomas was uh, noted to be a witty child was the fact that he, um, even as a five-year-old, was questioning the existence of God and mm -hmm. and wanting to learn and, and continuing to question that. And there are five ways, um, as from according to Aquinas, how you can prove it. And one's the arguments from motion. The second way is argument from efficient causes. Um, third way is argument from possibility and necessity. The fourth way is argument from gradation of being. And the fifth way is argument from design. And I'm going to just, I'm going to copy the link in here. Now, this is one I found on my own. Um, from um, a university, so I, I, I this is not one that's are provided, so I want to give that uh, caveat. Um, if we had more time, I would delve into them, but I thought it was a really nice summation mm -hmm. of uh, of the five ways. And actually, I should um, make a note that was a link <laughs> for the summary the five ways okay. and um, the fact that the fact that St. Thomas had this proof you know this is this is how we know this is how we know God exists mm -hmm. and as as noted in the Summa Theologica article 3 question 2 um, Thomas St. Thomas says we see that things which lack knowledge, such as natural bodies, act for an end, and this is evident from their acting always or near, nearly always in the same way, so as to obtain the best result. Hence it is plain that they achieve their end and fortuitously but designedly. Now whatever lacks knowledge cannot move towards an end, unless it is directed by some being endowed with the knowledge and intelligence." That's this is where he's he's making his proof about there is a higher being um, as the arrow is directed by the archer. So it's it's kind of intimating that this is being um, guided by a higher power's hand. Mm -hmm. Therefore, some intelligent being exists by whom all natural things are directed to their end. And this being, as we all call God. And. As I noted, this is in Gabriel's Redemption, Chapter 6. Um, the, 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 and you'll remember, as soon as I reference this, you'll, you'll remember the scene because, I mean, gosh, it's, it's just so beautifully written. Mm -hmm. and, and I quote, your face, your breast, your beautiful back. St. Thomas Aquinas would have had to add you as his sixth way if he'd ever been blessed enough to see you. You must have been designed and not merely made. Ah, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Just take me now. Oh, mm -hmm. So beautiful. What a beautiful reference. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it's, it's true. I mean, and I love the fact he referenced. And that made me, I remember when I read that and I was like, oh, what, what are, what are the, what are the what ways? Are the what was ways? The so I literally went, of course, I Googled it and looked it up and I was like, mm -hmm. ah, 
that's right. It's the reference about proof there is a God. Um, and, you know, Floor had said, I think it's important to learn about mean religions around the world. I've studied a bit of Catholic Judaism, Islam, and Buddhism. They all have beautiful things to learn. And Dalia said, yes, all religions point out the existence of an almighty power that created all living things. Its differences are all in the details of how you worship that higher Absolutely. Being. Absolutely. And as um, Annette and Betty just noted and Dahlia noted, um, just so beautiful. Um, absolutely. The way mm -hmm. SR um, constructed that. And only, you know, only SR would have um, Gabriel uh, compliment and uh, seduce his, I believe then, yes, then wife. Mm -hmm. Um referencing Thomas Aquinas, right? I mean, yep. <laughs> who does that? <laughs> Fantastic. Just great mm -hmm. writing. Um, and our Dante specialist author also makes reference to him in other areas as well. Um, St. Thomas was a mystic. In a paper written by Brother Alfred Sullivan, OP, he is grouped with St. Bonaventure, St. Bernard, St. Teresa, St. John of the Cross, and St. Catherine of Siena, who are universally conceded a high place amongst those chosen friends of God. The mystical life is essentially a supernatural and spiritual life, lived in intimate and conscious union with God. It is the Christian life in its highest perfection, in which the mystic ob obtains on earth a foretaste of that union with God, which is the reward of the blessed in heaven. It's arrived at by the faithful soul that perfectly co cooperates with the promptings of the Holy Ghost that exercises the virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and how many times have we read those themes throughout SR's work? Absolutely. Um, and also is absorbed in God, lived, lives for him alone, and by contemplation adheres to him and finds in him its only consolation. So to the mystic, God sometimes grants special graces, such as miracles and visions, which serve as an indication the high degree of sanctity to which he has attained. And this is, was, was the case with St. Thomas, if you read more about St. Thomas and learn about him. He habitually carried about with him the air of one who was ever at rest in God. And I just, you know, Pam, I thought that was great that you pulled that and, and included that because it just, it does resonate and it does give you a bit of depth on, um, and, and perspective on the writings uh, SR. that SR. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It does, most definitely. Yeah, he's always discussing uh, faith with Julian and especially Gabriel when he's going through his uh, time when he's separated from Julia and in Assisi and also when he's at his home in Zealand's Grove when his mother, Grace and Maya, show up. Mm-hmm in that dream state. So I, I, I really, that really touched me in this, in certain areas of my life where the fact that <clears throat> there's, there is so much metaphysical reference in SRS writing. So, and sure. that's one of the reasons why I found this, uh, bit from, uh, the brother, interesting so that I could bring and this is a spoiler alert uh that reference into the Florentine series 
Um, yes, yes. That's, and, and Pam, great that you mentioned spoiler alert. If there's anyone on the podcast who's not read the Florentine series and you want to and be, you want to be surprised, you may want to, um, you may want to log off of this, uh, part of the podcast. Yeah. And I mean, um, it doesn't give the full extent of the story, but there are things that I'll mention that are big spoilers yes. as we go along. And what you just referenced and that, um, our friend from new Orleans just said, um, you know, that's exactly what makes SR standalone from other writers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it would um, make sense that William of York would reference uh, St. Thomas as his teacher. Because uh, we all, in, in chapter 31, when he's beginning to tell Raven all about his uh, becoming a vampire. He, he references, this is my teacher, help me regrain my faith in God. I found comfort in the Mass, and I began to believe that Alicia's death, while unjust, served as a holy purpose because it enabled me to find my vocation. I prepared for the priesthood and surrounded by intellectual and spiritual titans working in the service of a saint. So... Further along, he explains to Raven how the Roman came to him at the death of his teacher, and that is when he is turned to the vampire. Because William was mourning his teacher tremendously. Then again in chapter 40, we find out that when he walks onto holy ground, he's, he's, he does get a headache, and there's a bit of discomfort, but he can still walk to the Spanish chapel. And there is a fresco in the Spanish chapel of St. Thomas. And uh, I believe it was the Graces and mm-hmm. a whole bunch uh, in that uh, painting, which is very cool to see if you ever get a chance. I have a picture of it. I'll post it in, the, in, the, in our Twitter feed. Um, he, you know, he, 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 he's ignoring all this and as he's entering the church and he approaches the famous fresco and he bows his respect and he's hail brother. Uh, he greeted the image in Latin and he had, that had been the custom when they were alive. As ever, the saint stared at him impassively. It has been some time since I visited. You're looking well. William tore his eyes from the painted wall and began to pace. And he's telling his teacher of the troubles he's encountering, encountering with Father Cavanaugh, a member of the Curia, and the beautiful young woman that he has fallen in love with. And he's looking for answers. And he's, he's hoping that his teacher will, will provide those answers to him. The, at this point, uh, at time he the next appearance is chapter 57 and that's when he's taken back his principality he he he's gone through Rome Kara's now with Father Kavanaugh mm-hmm. uh, Raven's allowed to come back with him and according to the Roman 
there won't be any problem for William to keep his quote unquote pet. And so he's sitting there and he's praying, he's praying to this teacher, the woman with the great green eyes and the maddening courageous soul. His teacher apparently had not heard his prayer to keep her safe. It was clear. There was only one being who could help him battle the curia with any hope of success. So, oh, so many good references. And, and the chat room um, has been, um, there's been a lot of, of good uh, commentary. Uh, Dahlia said, I need to go back to the Florentine series after hearing this, Pam. Uh, the references here today are perfect, ladies. So kudos to Pam. Again, I'm crediting Pam. She did a, she did all the research on this. Um, so uh, I, I kudos to you, partner. Thank and, you. And um, Annette said it's as if Saint Thomas still protects uh, him from the grave, from mm -hmm. beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I, I also am always is astonished with the themes of this whole theme of, uh, of redemption and protection mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, all of the things that he's gone through. And I see is heading out, uh, by SC, have a lovely weekend. And a great um, visit with your new granddaughter. Yes. Yes. Um, I just think that's wonderful. What mm -hmm. great news and what joy. And Betty's noting poor Willie. That was a difficult time for our beloved Prince and Raven. Yes, it and was. yes, it really was. I mean, it's just a heart-wrenching scene. Um, and, you know, as, as we talk more about the Florentine series um, and going into the Roman, uh, there are many, many appearances by St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. um, in chapter 9, William swears by the name of my teacher that I will never send you away. Um, and you know, there was a lot of concern on his part because he was worried that Father Cavanaugh would persuade the Curia into taking Raven. Mm -hmm. And you know, William could not survive if that no. happened. He just it, that just was not an option. Um, just so beautifully written, too. Uh, chapter 14 of the Roman, um, there's another reference to St. Thomas when Simonetta is trying her best to, to seduce William. And his thoughts turned to his teacher. Um, and the quote is, he'd gone to Santa Maria Novella to beg his teacher for intercession. Perhaps the saint had hearkened to his request. Perhaps not. At least he and Raven were together now. And then in chapter 27, um, when they had returned to Florence from Rome, William is lovingly washing her hair and discussing a future. Um, saying, I pray my teacher will continue to watch over you. Um, Thomas is, is, is his talisman, right? Thomas mm -hmm. is his, his, uh, his safety net, his security blanket, his, his yep. guide, his teacher, his, his protector. Um, and Annette notes, and rightly so, she didn't think a book could move her more than Gabriel's redemption, but the Florentine series stayed with her just as much. And I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Again, it speaks to the strength um, of SR's writing and uh, the fact that he's bringing so much to the party, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, and we're sorry. Hi, good morning, Kenzie Kins. Um, our petite 
Leon was Petit Leon was having um, computer issues this morning, so oh, I'm no sorry. worries. You'll be able to listen to the rest of what you've missed, and we're happy you could join us now. Um, and you know, there's there's so much richness and depth to the writing. Mm -hmm. um, another another reference, chapter fifty-two, when William is sitting on his throne and he's feeling lonely. And that loneliness he had not felt since his teacher died. And the Roman had sent a dispatch that he would not support him. And Simonetta had deserted him as an ally. Um, continuing on to chapter 54, when going through the exorcism, and he begged his teacher for help. Mm -hmm. Brother Thomas, they betrayed me. Um, oh, and that, oh my gosh. Just, just thinking back to those scenes. Um, of him so amazingly, on a yes, I mean, just so amazingly powerful um, and emotional. Uh, Raven was praying to St. Thomas as well for intercession. As William was going through with convulsions, he was asking for mercy. I mean, it was such an intense, intensely written scene. And, um, yeah, you know, and as, Father Kavanaugh yes. couldn't get over the fact that he, he was praying like that either. Right, right. Well, you know, he just assumed, oh, he's a vampire. Right. But he was so much more, and he didn't know his, he didn't know his backstory. He didn't understand. He didn't take time to learn or listen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Dahlia, had, I'm reading the chat, uh, some of the comments, Dahlia agreed with Annette. A lot of writers would have a bit um, with a s single uh, novel, but not necessarily with others in terms of mm -hmm. in including um, all of this richness and all SR novels, no doubt move me and are so special in their own way. It's a testament to the strength and brilliance of that writer and his stories. So it's, it's very true. And, and, you know, again, he, he weaves in uh, the fact that St. Thomas is a character mm -hmm. in the Florentine series, I just think is, is, is so beautifully written and smart and, interesting mm -hmm. and um in chapter 63 you know after that really tremendously painful exorcism um and there's another reference when raven's in the vault in switzerland looking at the artwork from williams home and williams comes to her in the vault and and that reunite the the reunification scene is so mm -hmm. beautiful there mm -hmm. he's trying to convince her that it really was him by referencing his relic and discussing how grateful he was about her not leaving the city um, as he had asked her to do. And he further explains how he woke in a hospital not knowing who he was, thinking he was back to just um, uh, the time just after St. Thomas died. And he told Raven how in his subconscious mind he heard his teacher arguing for his soul. Mm -hmm. And um, that was so profound, you know, because he, he had such a friendship, such a love, such a trusting relationship with his teacher and his friend, um, St. Thomas, mm -hmm. um, that he traveled to where his teacher had died and stayed into in the monastery until his memory came back. Mm -hmm. And then finally in chapter 65, in the chapel that was on the island, he would go and pray and Raven would join him occasionally, um, praying and continuing his relationship 
with his beloved teacher, St. Thomas. So just so many references. And I I think his inclusion of St. Thomas as a, as a, um, character was really, Mm -hmm. really smart and, and brings another level of, uh, absolutely. uh, And depth to him. And I see Franca's joined us. Hello, (laughs) Franca. Bom dia. Uh, as they say in Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, just the way he included every, you know, included him throughout, um, you know, and while he wasn't specifically mentioned in The Man in the Black Suit, I, I, I think the conflict that Acacia and has with, with God a little bit and Nicholas you know, just uh, resonates with that philosophy of always questioning. So, mm-hmm. one of one of the things that I found famous, found interesting, that I didn't really further go into um, researching, but you know, the way Saint Thomas always doubted everything, uh, his his the existence of God. And questioning and going on throughout his life. The other person who did that was Mother Teresa. Uh, she wrote letters to the Vatican, questioning everything about God and what God was in her in her life. To the point where there were there was talk that she had lost her faith and lost belief. So I think that. You know, I I just found that an interesting sidebar on that. I think it is. And and in fact, um, I also like the fact Josie just uh, joined in and Mm -hmm. she, I don't know if you saw this comment, but I'm sharing it. She said, wow, I just finished reading the Florentine series. I did not connect William's teacher, St. Thomas, as St. Thomas Aquinas. I know, isn't it? I mean, we just thought the fact he included... Mm-hmm. Um, such a major figure as a character in the novel, I think is just, it's just fascinating. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's um, totally fascinating to, when I first read the Florentine series, when it came out and he talked about the painting, you know, that that's when I started looking into the background a little bit. And I think I even questioned SR at the time. Um, one of the the neat things when I was in Florence was I was able to go to the Spanish chapel and and see it. But the but the other, this is my stupidity. Oh, Walter. Walter's Walter, parking. Walter's been inspired by the podcast. Yes, he has. Thanks. Have a good weekend, Dahlia. Thanks for joining us. She Thanks, has to Dahlia. head out. Um, um was Giotto's cross. Mm. You know, you, you walk through Santa Maria Novello and I'm walking through and I'm like, now where is this cross? Where is, I'm looking, can't find it. And so I'm standing on the floor and I open up my pamphlet, my, my book, and I'm like, well, it should be here. And I happened to look up and there it was. So that's my stupidity of standing right under it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Walter, you can calm down now, boo-boo. 
I just said he's very inspired. Yes, he is. <laughs> this is what I wake up to at 3 a.m. Walter, Aww. stop. So, anyway. Well, I... Um... I just think it's it's great, and I I know just that Josie I think put the question out about what is SR working on. I may have missed. I'm very curious to know what SR is working on now. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to wait. And uh, Kenzie noted that SR is working on something completely new. Mm-hmm. She believes it takes place in Europe, but the hero is from Spain. Right. And, um, yes, we are beyond excited that mm-hmm. we have a Spanish hero. I know. Um, very, very excited. And that he's doing something new. Um, because, honestly, we could continue. I'd be completely happy if he just wrote about Gabriel and Julia and Willie and Raven. Um, I could continue enjoying all the stories and of course Nicholas and Acacia because that is that is a storyline and a couple that you know would be the gift that keeps on giving mm-hmm. but the fact he's doing a new one yeah very excited very so, very exciting so um, Josie mentioned to Kenzie asking if it was a nod to a discovery of witches which by the way season two is November or December. So. Oh, yes. Very exciting. Yes. A good ha- happy birthday to me. I'm a November baby, so that'll mm-hmm. be a nice... Uh, mm-hmm. That'll be a nice... A nice, nice celebration. surprise for you. And I think mm-hmm. um, Bad Wolf and Sky are going to allow that um, to be broadcast the same time it's in the U.S. as it, do- it is in the U.K., because last time the UK had it like September mm-hmm. and the US had it in January. So it was like, you know, my UK friends, I would sit there or, or people that had HBO now or sky. Don't tell me anything. I don't <laughs> want any spoilers. So. No, it's just a beautiful, that was such a great production. Was, yeah, I just, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see the, the next the next series, um, and I can't. I can't wait to see Stephen Cree as Gallowglass. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Anyway, that's that'll be great. Different. Betty's wondering if Snarky is joining the new leading man on his journey. <laughs> now, I would love to know that myself. Now, Sr hasn't gotten into it too much because uh, I don't think he's actually spoken with his. Um, uh, what you gonna call it yet either his uh, agent, so mm-hmm. he's he's not giving too much away. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the the idea that he's writing something new. Mm-hmm. Um, very very exciting. Yes, and um, I just the the fact of I wonder if Snarky's joining the journey is <laughs> it just makes me giggle, Betty. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, so. it. We have so much to look forward to, and. We do. Um, I can't believe we're, uh, you know, over over our hour. But there's there was so much goodness to cover and discuss, and and really, um, you could dig into Thomas Aquinas for you know we could do a whole month on Thomas Aquinas. But we wanted to be able to demonstrate and and show some of these references that have um, really been. Um, you know, part of the great professor, SR, mm-hmm. teaching us mm-hmm. um, 
lessons along the way um, and having these concepts and references throughout the books have been um, a great way for us to uh, learn and just brings a definite depth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> and Betty, I'm laughing as, as we're talking about this serious stuff. And then Betty says, I bet Snarky's going to love practicing his Spanish kissing skills. <laughs> uh, that I, I can guarantee will happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Th- Kenzie says, Snarky needs to be put on a leash, but I think he'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> and Josie, um, we are so happy you found us and that you joined us today. She's saying, I'm new here. How often do you broadcast? We broadcast once a week, typically, um, Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. New York time. Thank you, mm-hmm. Kenzie, for writing that. You saved me the trouble. Um, although we do have special times. And, um, in fact, Pam, shall we announce uh, our news sure. for next week? Sure. As you know, 4th of July in the United States is on Saturday. And so it's a holiday. It's a holiday here. So we're not going to actually podcast that day. Um, But we will podcast on Wednesday, July 1st, so that we can fangirl over the uh, trailer. Yes. And just go like, oh. So. And, That'll be fun. Um, I think, did we talk at time? Are we doing uh, 6, did we, I, do 6 p.m., 7 p.m.? We, we can do whatever. I'm good anytime. We've, we really hadn't discussed an exact time. Yeah, so. well, actually, let's, let's put it out to, to uh, the people who are listening right now. Um, especially, I'm, I'm looking at you, Franca, and uh, Monica, Monica, if what time would work for you guys? Um, if it's, it, it would, well, I probably, I don't, I'd have to look at my meetings to see if I could do it earlier in the day. Okay. Um, so, but, but we can post the time on our Twitter feed and, and our Facebook page. So we'll yeah, know exactly we, we what had time. Podcasting 5 PM New York time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will, we will, if you, if you feel strongly about it, let us know. Monica's okay with 6 p.m. New York time. Okay. Um, Okay. Okay. So maybe we will do that. All right. That sounds good. And uh, Okay, Monica. This way we can gush. Yeah. We can all gush about the purple towel. (laughs) We'll make sure. Right. Um, We will have it out there. Uh, Because I purposely haven't posted anything for next week yet just so we could uh, work that out. All and right. Josie's asking what time the um, teaser is going to be released. Oh, good. Franca says six hours ahead. I know it's Excellent. midnight your time um, in South Africa, Franca. Um, there's, it's always a tricky, a sticky wicket. Um, Josie, they did not say when they like to surprise us on when mm. the trailer is coming out. A um, lot of times I think it's like... Uh, 8 a.m. Pacific time or 11 a.m. New York time. New York time. So um, I think but, we're safe, though. Sometimes they've done it later, though, like 1, one o'clock New York, I think. So um, we, will, we will gather at 6 p.m. Okay. on July 1st 
for the fangirling. You know, we go from uh, Thomas Aquinas philosophy to, and theology to the ultimate fangirling experience. That, that, that's true. Um, that's true. July first, uh, Canada Day. We'll also mm-hmm. give a nod, um, raise our Tim Hortons coffee and coffee uh, mugs. Mm-hmm. Have some poutine and um, donuts. Canadian in honor maple of syrup. Canadian maple syrup. Um, down in my refrigerator now. It's in mine too. So we are really, really excited. Josie, I hope you can join us. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> she, and Josie, you are you are so welcome. I love your commentary. She says, okay, good. It's probably good for all of us to have a personal viewing prior, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> yes, that's it true. Is. Yes, it that is. That is true. So that sounds good. And... Josie, just as an FYI, if you ever want to catch up on any of our past tracks, you can find us here. You can find us on SoundCloud, under all things SR. We're also on iTunes podcasts, uh, under all things SR, and on TuneIn for all things SR. So if you ever, if you want to catch up with, with, with everything else, so... All right, so that kind of ends our St. Thomas Aquinas. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Thank you for thank you for joining us on our um, our theological and philosophical journey, mm-hmm. um, inspired by James Andrew Fraser Absolutely. and his research for the role of Paul. Um, I can't even. Um, thank him enough because this really has been a great experience and Pam um, again thank you for doing the research on this I had every intention of digging in more than um, just my small little five ways uh, no no worries no worries so I'm going to leave you all with one of SR's favorites and dance downtown with Macklemore, Ryan Lewis, and Grandmaster, and Melly Mel, and all that kind of good stuff. So, we'll talk next week, on Wednesday. Have a good weekend, everybody. Me, the M, the A, C, the K, sounding like a French pimp thump back in the day. I take her to Pontaray and I watch her skate. I mean, water ski, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. I'm perusing down forth and they watching me. I do a headstand and eagle lands on my seat. Well, hello, but baby, the kickstand ain't free. Now, do you or do you not want to ride with me? I got one girl, I got two wheels. She a big girl, that ain't a big deal. I like a big girl, I like them sassy. Going down a back street, listening to Black Street. Running around the whole town Neighbors yelling at me like you need to slow down Going 38, Dan, chill yourself out Mow your damn lawn and sit the hell down If I only had one helmet, I would give it to you Give it to you Cruising down Broadway, girl What a wonderful view, wonderful view There's layers to this ish player Tear him a zoo, tear him a zoo The 